0: This is the Laravel
1: News Podcast, your one-stop podcast to find out about Laravel-related news, tutorials, packages, and more. Here are your hosts, Jake Bennett and Michael Dorenda. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to Laravel News Podcast. This is episode 80. We're so thankful to have you joining us today. We're doing a little switcheroo here. It's early for me and late for you. Mm, not
0: too late. the uh, The times have all changed, so it's not
1: not too bad. Okay, okay. So yeah, I uh, ask Michael, I had asked Michael like, "Is your office? Did you move your office?" It's just no. I'm just not used to seeing it <laughs> at nighttime and with your standing desk. Yeah, with your standing desk. Uh, yeah. ele- in an elevated position. So.
0: Yeah. Well, I got this standing desk just before I ruptured my ACL, so oh. I didn't really <laughs> get a whole lot. This chance to use it. Yeah. Yeah, and I've I've sort of been using it. Is it because I've because I was sitting for so long? Yeah, with it, I just got used to sitting because I couldn't stand. But you lazy now I can bum. Stand, so
1: you lazy, yeah. lazy bum. Hundred yeah, percent. Yeah, I've I've got. Do you have like a pad or anything that you put like that you stand on? Have you found that to be an issue? No. Though? Okay.
0: No, I just stand on the floor. Yeah. <laughs> the, the one thing that the the one just thing that does annoy floor. me though is that my Apple Watch will you know I'll be standing oh, for yeah, fifty sure. minutes and it'll be like time to stand up I'm like what do you think i've been doing for the last <laughs> exactly. hour
1: exactly i don't know if it's like a motion thing i don't know if that's what it is if it doesn't detect that you've yeah, been yeah. walking around at all and so it just you know that's when it does that
0: and the thing is sometimes it'll like i'll get up i'll walk around and then i'll go and sit down and then it will be like congratulations you stood up I'm like no no i no, i did not or i could just be sitting there and it'll be like yeah you stood up i'm like okay
1: yeah it's like hey you hit so. your goal 12 12 times in 12 hours like oh okay yeah sure thanks Done. apple Thanks Apple Watch. (laughs) Making me feel good. Well, we've got, um, let's see, Laravel Live UK. We've got three different releases today for Laravel. We've got some new releases from some of our favorite things. Sublime, Tailwind, Vue Dev Tools, PHP Storm is in there. Yay, PHP Storm. So we've got a bunch of releases and just a couple of tutorials. Probably not very many so just a couple tutorials mostly packages and releases today though which is great so should we jump in jump
0: right in okay let's
1: do it i'm gonna have you take on laravel live uk okay, okay uk 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 laravel live uk
0: united kingdom 2019 is
1: coming to london
0: for a two-day con- london uk not london ontario not canada <laughs> united kingdom uh it may It probably won't be part of the EU at that point. It'll be all over. Oh, no. It'll be Brexited. Uh, There'll be a two-day conference between the uh, 10th and 11th of June 2019 at the Shaw Theatre. Be sure to join hundreds of Laravel and PHP enthusiasts for inspirational talks, engaging networking, and amazing learning opportunities. At the time of this recording, the speaker list has an excellent lineup already with more speakers to be announced. But so far, Matt Stauffer, Nuno Maduro, Christoph Rumpel and Marcel Passiot will be speaking at Laravel Live UK. They're currently accepting CFPs and looking specifically for Laravel-focused talks and talks that can be directly applied to the Laravel ecosystem or related technical talks. Um, they're, they're looking, which is a common theme I've seen this year, and it's probably one that we'll do with Laracon AU as well, is to trim the talks down to about 30 minutes each. Yeah. So they're looking for 25 to 45 minutes per CFP. Oh, really? Do they give you like, so, the
1: flexibility? Between those two times,
0: yeah. So you can give a shorter talk, or you can give a longer talk, depending on on what you're going to do. I I presume that the keynote talks will be longer. Sure, yeah, that makes uh, sense. Which is which is you know it's your keynote, but it's nice to to break it up so that you can either get more talks in, or more breaks in, or or more networking opportunities in. So yeah, definitely, if you're in a position to be able to travel to the UK in June, uh, I won't be because the 10th is my son's birthday. So and it'll be his first one so probably not one I can miss.
1: Yeah, that would be uh that would be a bad one to miss. First birthday is a good one, man. It's a really good one. You got yeah. the you get the smash cake and everything. Do you, do you guys do that? No, we uh do you, guys, like, I mean, do you really, guys do like a smash blooming onion probably. <laughs> <laughs> I mean really
0: the first birthday is a party for the parents, right? This, the kid doesn't know what the hell is going on. Sure, Yeah.
1: Well, I don't know. All of our kids' birth, especially our first kid's first birthday was like a huge deal. It's like, oh my gosh, he's turning one. We can't believe it. All right. got to invite all of our family, all of our friends. We've got to make sure everybody knows that he's one year old. And I don't know. It's like a wedding. It's ridiculous. <laughs> yeah. It was fun. It was yep. fun. So yeah, you, don't, you, won't, you won't want to miss that one. Um, I, I do no. agree, though. I love the format of like a shorter talk. I feel like, so like when I was a teacher, I always felt that like there were teachers who always taught the entire time. And you would just, you know, if you were ever like observing or like in one of those classrooms, you get about halfway through and the kids are just glassing, like their eyes are just glassed over. Like they yeah. just, you can yeah. only pay attention for so long, especially after a whole day, you know, of doing this all the time. Right. So. Yeah. know if you've got two full days a half hour or whatever is is great to kind of like give your brain a mental break absorb some of that info and kind of change topics and so i think that's that's great that's really good okay yeah let's uh let's get into releases here we've got um three of them like i said we've got three different releases so laravel 5.8.4 uh released with a new collection join method and an http kernel middleware getter So the first one is this collect-to-join method. So it's on the Illuminate Collection class. uh, And it's a method to join all the items from the collection using a string. So the final item can use a separate glue string as well. So uh, this is similar to Implode, right? And so you can have a glue and then like a a separator. uh, and, And what it can look like is you'll have like A, B, C in your collection. And then you can have the word, or, and then and you can have join as the first argument, you could have a comma. As a second argument, you could have the word and, right? And it would return A, B, and C would be the final string. If you have just two items, it would be A and B. If you just have one, it would just be a. so it basically is a comma separated list and then the last one on the uh, on the list it would return with the word and or whatever you want that that last separator to be so this join will uh, will grab you know will allow you to have two separate uh, glue strings essentially uh, the first one would be used between all of the items uh, the last one would be used between the last two items unless, of course, there's only two items. If there's one item, it doesn't return that last, uh, it obviously doesn't doesn't glue anything. So similar to how the uh, implode method works with um, with an array. Yeah. Uh, so the other thing that we have is the HTTP kernel class has a new get route middleware method, which uh, can come in handy to ensure that uh, a middleware has been registered. So you might do this in one of your tests possibly, or I think in any other, you, you could do this with packages or those sorts of things just to ensure that your middleware uh, has been loaded. So you just middleware resolve, the kernel class, uh, get route middleware, and then you can just look at that array that it returns and check to make sure that your class is included in that array of middlewares that have been applied to a specific route. We have another one that's specific to uh, Danish-specific characters. So there's a new string uh, class helper. I'm going to let you guys read through that one, uh, guys and girls. There's was an um, interesting article on that, by the way. Somebody who was like trying to replace their word guys with the word y'all. And I was thought y'all. y'all was just like a Southern thing, but this was like a literally like a, uh, it was like a choice this person was making yeah. to try and not use the word guys yeah. anymore. I think they settled yeah. on folks, which sounds like an but old yeah, person like thing to say well. to me too. Yeah. I yeah. don't know. I don't know. I mean, I'm pretty so, old now. So yeah, it's true. So folks, I'm going to let you read through this one. There's also some stuff with a JSON, uh, Boolean query. It has to do with some quoting, uh, and again, this is one of those ones where it's it's not really worth trying to talk about without having to go give the context uh, of the code that was written for it. So, anyway, those two I thought were pretty interesting: the join method and the HTTP get kernel or um, get middleware. They on the HTTP kernel, yeah. So that's 5.8.4. So here's what I would like to do. I would like to go into the next one. Just get through all the releases, I think. What do you think? Yeah. Yeah. Just knock them all out. Okay. Why don't you take 5.8.5?
0: Laravel 5.8.5 was released on the 19th of March with a security fix for the unique validation rule and the latest weekly changes and features. So for those of you that don't know, Laravel has actually adopted a weekly patch cycle now. So every Tuesday... They will put out a new release unless there's some urgent bug or security fix that needs to be applied. So we'll see typically a new patch release every Tuesday. And and Taylor spoke about Did that I I think on that. Twitter. Yeah, yeah, I, th- I think that was on Twitter that he mentioned that, um, or maybe in in his little Laravel snippet podcast that he does. I, I've heard it somewhere, but um, I think that that's nice. It's kind of streamlined. streamline huh. Streamlining and consolidating the release schedule, just so that it's a little more predictable, yeah, and and gives you a bit more chance to sort of prepare a change log and and see things like that. So it'd be good to see that moving forward as well. But a a new gate none method will determine the denial of any of the given abilities for the current user. Uh, next, a new other device logout event will get fired when invalidating other sessions of the current user, allowing listeners to react to logout events to revoke user access tokens and so on. And lastly. In the blade loop variable, there's two new flags that have been added, even and odd. So if you want to do some zebra striping kind of things where you want to do a different class or apply a different style to a table row, for example, on even or odd things, you used to have to do a, a modulus operation. So you do loop iteration percent symbol two to figure out if you're on an even or an odd iteration. Whereas now you can just do loop, even or loop. Um, I believe JMac added that one. So That was JMac. Thanks, shout J-Mac. out to him. Um, And lastly, 5.8.5 includes a security patch for the unique validation rule. The rule contained a possible unique rule SQL injection warning. There is a link if you would like to read more about that on the Laravel blog. But the documentation outlines the unique rule usage and contains a warning about only using auto-incrementing IDs. Uh, But more details on the specific commit and uh, and things that were contributing to that will be in the show notes.
1: Let's talk about this gate-none method. So, do you happen to use Laravel's gates and policies very often in your applications?
0: Uh not currently, but
1: we've
0: had some spaghetti kind of permission stuff before that we're now we've now streamlined behind the gates. So, I love them so much. They just make yeah. life so much easier.
1: They really do. And I feel like I feel like that spaghetti authorization mess that you're talking about ends up happening sometimes because I feel like Laravel does try and give you a lot of great ways to be able to utilize some of these permissions. And so as a result, if you're not careful, you can kind of fall into this. Well, I can do it here this way and over here this other way. And I can do it in the controller this way, but I could also do it in the route here. So you almost have to have, especially for people who are, who are maybe new to the team or whatever, you kind of have to have a prescribed way to do it and then just enforce doing it that way or else you do kind of end up with this just cowboy style. You can do it wherever you want, however you want sort of authorization yeah. Yep. stuff. Yeah.
0: I mean, our spaghetti, was, our spaghetti was even worse because it was like stuff that predated Laravel. So we, for each permission in our user table, had a column like can see financials or... And the, and the thing was that some things were can thing and other things were allow thing and others were just thing. Um, and they're all, they were all enums and some of them were yes and no, and some of them were Y and N. So and the, <laughs> we've yeah. extracted all of that stuff out to a permissions table now. And uh, we're just using a many to many and then doing all that kind of stuff through, through the gates now. So we've got, you know, all of that canned stuff. We can authorize things, makes things much easier.
1: Yeah. So as I understand it, for the most part, what you have is you have policies which are specifically related to resources. So if you have permissions surrounding a specific resource, policies make it really easy to kind of group the vast majority of those things together. But really what those deal with for the most part is the rest verbs that you would want to be able to restrict uh, restrict down to certain users. right? So view... Create, edit, update, delete, whatever. Here's, here's the thing
0: that I didn't realize. I was watching a LaraCast video yesterday. You can have any method name you want in that policy class and you can reference that method in your application code and your controllers or whatever. So the the interesting one that, that came up in, in this video was manage okay. where a user can manage a resource. So the, the context was a project. So... The owner can manage the resource, but members of that project can edit it. They can't. They can't invite other users, and they can't delete the project, for example. But they can edit the project. They can update it. They can, um, you know, add items to it and things like that. So, that was something that, you know, seeing now in hindsight. It's quite obvious that that, that, that was a thing you could do, but it's never something that actually sprung to mind.
1: That's a great idea, actually. So that way you don't have to have separate methods for all the different type of REST verbs that you might not actually need, right? Now, if you're yeah. going to use something like Laravel Nova, it works off of the fact that you'll have some of those specific methods in there. So you would, in fact, have to use those, right? That's how it restricts. Like if, you, if you're if you looking at your Nova table, the little eye icon, the little pencil icon for mm-hmm. edit, the little trash icon for delete, Right. And so it it expects to see those methods in there, so that's why you have to have some of those. But uh, but yeah, no, I like that idea of having having a managed method. That's that's pretty cool. And then as, and then to make sure that I round this conversation out, because I don't use gates as much. Basically, those are a way to kind of define your one-off sort of like, hey, somebody can do this one particular type of action or they cannot, right? And that's that's. All it is, and it's uh, locked onto like the current user. So, like, user can, and then you can define whatever yeah. that thing is. Yeah, yeah, yep. Yeah. So it doesn't it doesn't yeah. necessarily relate at all to the current resources being edited or any of that. You can just kind of drop it in anywhere. And say, hey, the user can do this. Like, can they do that? Yeah. Okay. Go ahead. Let them do it. Then. Cool. Okay. That was. Cool. I'm sorry. You're nodding your head. It was. Uh, that was almost posed more as a question because I, oh. I don't use gates as often. I use policies for the most part. Yeah.
0: We. I mean, the only place we're using the policies, as I said, is for those users, um, and they're more for global kind of application permissions to see. You know, do you have permission to carry out this action? Like, not everyone can do a refund, for example. Sure. Yeah. But um, everyone, everyone can see. Uh, payments on a customer's account gotcha so yeah we're we're typically doing that kind of stuff and using the the gates via the authenticated user using the the can method
1: okay cool yeah that makes sense that makes sense all right so we've got 5.8.5 there's a a point six and point seven that are not in here which i'm guessing were maybe just some tiny bug fixes or something That were Um, bug
0: fixes or they were reverts or something for uh, some bugs that were introduced uh, if i recall correctly
1: okay gotcha All right, so 5.8.8 was released, let's see here, on the 26th. Uh, along with some fixes. So there is a new builder for page before ID method that was added to comp- uh, complement an existing for page after ID method. So these methods are useful to query for records before or after a specific given record. Uh, so this is from Tim McDonald, and he sort of illustrated it like uh, like this. Like if you might have a, f- a particular post that you're wanting to, to pull up on a page, right? And then what you could do is you could kind of grab the posts around that one and kind of display those in the bottom right saying like hey here was the post that was shown before that one and here are some of the posts that were shown after that one so you could say posts for page before id right you could grab the last the 15 before that one or the 15 after that one and kind of uh grab those and display that so that's that's pretty interesting yeah if
0: you're if you're reading the release uh, if you're reading the blog post or Laravel 5.88 or any of the blog posts on the Laravel News website. If you scroll to the bottom, you'll see a little arrow back and an arrow forward that shows the previous and next articles. That's that's where you would do that kind of thing.
1: Yeah. Yep. And you could show more than one, right? So it's not just like, hey, grab me the next one before and the next one after. And I would assume also that this kind of takes into account any like soft deleted items as well, which is sort of the trick, right? Because there's not always just going to be yeah. a next ID and a previous ID. So this kind of, you know, helps to take some of that logic and wrap it up and just deliver it to you in a nice little API. So there you go. Yeah. Yeah. Outside of that, honestly, I think most of these were just bug fix sort of items. So there was a-
0: fixes, changes. There's even a refactoring in this one, uh, refactoring of the ENV helper. Yeah, I saw some- Check those out in the show notes.
1: Yeah. I saw some issues on that ENV stuff. Was that the one where it was- I haven't been following it particularly closely,
0: but there was something around the way that um the PHP.env uses getenv or yes. uses the dollar underscore server super global or something like that. Yeah. Um if you know if you're using those things, accessing them directly, you probably have already fixed this up if you know if you're using the the latest versions of Laravel anyway. So someone obviously has because it's been detected and fixed. So
1: Yeah. Yeah. So I think what it was is there was um an issue for any other packages that were using something other than dot env to be able to uh, grab stuff out of the local environment, and so uh, with the latest release of the .env helper that we use in Laravel, it wouldn't basically pick up anything from the environment other than what was in the .env file, and so I think that broke some compatibility with some packages uh, and things like that. So, so yeah, they 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 made that change back so that it was so that it works with those things now. So, yeah, interesting. Okay. So that is all the releases for Laravel. So thank you everyone in the community and Taylor and Drees and Mohamed for all of your work on those. I uh, appreciate you guys keeping us up to date on all the, the latest bug fixes and for putting the time in to make that happen. All right, let's talk about some other releases. We, we have, for those of you who are uh, sublime enthusiasts, Sublime Text 3.2 was released michael have you used have you been using sublime recently or are you more of like have you switched back to the vim train
0: yeah i've gone back to vim i spend most of my time in there the only time i'm really using sublime text now is if i need the the multi cursor support yeah yeah um but i'm i'm pretty much living inside iterm and
1: doing everything there nice was there a recent iterm release too
0: um yeah i think i think a new beta came out that's got some cool little features around status bars and things like that yeah that's what i was seeing i think yeah, I think uh, it was Eric Van Johnson that I saw tweeting about that earlier today. So yeah,
1: yeah, we'll, and, uh, we'll link, we'll link the, that up that. in the
0: yeah, we'll link that up in the show notes.
1: Yeah, looks interesting though. Uh, so the latest release, Sublime Text 3.2, builds off of Sublime Merge. So if you haven't seen that yet, that is basically a tool to help around. Uh, well, it's like it's not just for merge conflicts, right? It's basically a, a Git GUI right yeah,
0: it's a full-blown git goy yeah, yeah git client
1: yeah uh so it's not just you know it, it's called sublime merge but it's a it's a git client right uh so 3.2 yeah. builds off of sublime merge adding first class git integration into sublime incremental diffing new theme functionality around diffs block caret support so all that git integration builds off of sublime's uh merge custom high performance git library giving sublime a super fast git experience so before it was like you'd have to install some of these little crazy packages right and and uh, now it's just kind of built in where you get kind of the highlighting on the side to show you. Here's new things that have been added. Here's places where stuff have been, has been removed. And so they've got some screenshots in here. It looks really, really great. Uh, so that's the basic feature that's been added in this, in this latest release. But the full announcement details and changelog are available on the Sublime Text 3.2 announcement post. Uh, you can also view the changelog from within the Sublime application. Uh, there's a little Sublime Text changelog menu option on Mac. And then we've got, of course, on um, uh, Laravel News, we've got a lot of really great things that we've featured on Sublime over the last couple uh, months and years. So there's minimalist Sublime Text 3 setup, uh, how to run your PHP unit tests from Sublime, uh, how to master Sublime Text with Sublime Power User stuff. Uh, so you should check those out as well. Uh, some good time has been spent with those from people who use Sublime Text all the time, Mr. Eric Barnes being one of those people. So there's some really, really great tips we've got here on PH, uh, I'm sorry, on Laravel News. So you should definitely go check those out mm-hmm. as well. We'll link that up in the show notes.
0: Yeah. While we're talking about editors, we may as well talk about PHP Storm 2019.1 has shipped. Uh, the, the release happened this week, just gone and has come with debugging support for Blade and Twig templates and a new predefined Laravel code style configuration. If you upgrade your Laravel applications to Laravel 5.8, you can get Xdebug ready and start debugging Laravel Blade templates directly from PHPStorm, which is thanks to a contribution that includes the like the original template file path into the compiled templates. So it comes up as a comment uh, which allows PHPStorm to inspect that and then Uh, You can do your debugging, You put breakpoints inside your templates, which will then, you know, if you're trying to debug an issue in your templates, it will allow you to step through that kind of stuff. Another related feature or another Laravel related feature in PHP Storm is a predefined code style, which you can configure for your project from the preferences menu uh, by selecting the predefined style Laravel. The screenshot it's got in there looks a bit funny to me it doesn't look like any laravel code that i've seen but um
1: <laughs> yeah no, like it's just...
0: got it's got a return statement and then a new line and then a tab and then the return value which is not something that i've no, never seen in Michael, laravel code. what base, they're but...
1: just trying to do here is show you like all the different indentation styles and all the different ways that you would do that on one screen so instead of trying to show you like 15 different snippets of code that may uh you know say this is where you do a line return uh this is where you do Mm -hmm. a space between something and and a paren or this is where you wouldn't do a space between something and a paren it's trying to just kind of show all that on one page so the the preset being like hey this is how the people in the laravel community that as far as these people have have observed this is how they prefer to do things or this is how they like doing things or maybe this is what the laravel code base looks like and so somebody has just defined a preset to say yeah if you use this preset, it will kind of conform to how the Laravel code base looks. Along with that, they also have like Drupal, Joomla, WordPress, uh, Zend, Symfony, CodeIgniter. Right? So they have all these different predefined style sets. And then what you can do, I believe, I think it's Command Option L. At least that's the key, the keyboard shortcut on my editor. That will kind of go through your currently open file and apply all the formatting that you need. So think of it like prettier, right? But it's actually manual. <laughs> You have, yep. to, you have to press the yeah. keyboard shortcut to make it happen. Uh, but that's the idea, yeah. Cool. Cool, 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 cool. PHP Storm 2019, man, I got to see if I... I think I'm on a subscription one now because it was like before it was like you'd have to buy each new version, right? But I'm pretty yeah. sure I'm on the subscription now so that I just get yeah, all, they've, all the updates. Yeah, have had the subscription for a while. Yeah, yeah So as
0: long as you keep paying each year, then then you get the, the new ones each time they come out.
1: Yeah, super handy. Okay, so kind of on the release train, Tailwind 1.0.0 beta, or as Michael would say, beta has been released. And so this has been a long time coming. I know that Adam has really been kind of agonizing over some of the decisions that he's had to make uh, with this release, but it is now ready to go. And while it is a beta release, you can still feel confident using this in production. Adam has pretty much given his word that there's not going to be a whole lot of major changes between now and when the actual 1.0 release is is out. So you can go ahead and upgrade right now. You don't need to wait. So there are a couple of things that are different in the uh, 1.0. You've got a new config file structure that allows you some flexibility but also kind of gives you sane defaults. So previously, you'd have like your Tailwind config uh, file and it would just publish all of the things that could possibly change and you would have to kind of set them up through there, right? With, with this version, it's got all of that. And then if you want to change anything, that's all you have to list in your Tailwind config file is just the things that you you want changed. So there's some uh, cool syntax around that. And Adam's tried to really make that Um, Really easy to change. It looks awesome. He's got a new expanded default color palette. There's a new default max width scale. Uh, Default variant output position can be customized. You've got default line height scale. You've got default letter spacing scale included. Cursor utilities. You got Flex Grow, Flex Shrink utilities are now customizable. Lots and lots and lots of new stuff. So there is a 1.0 beta release notes, which will kind of walk you through getting upgraded to the latest one beta release. And along with that, the community has kind of really rallied around Tailwind in the last what six months, I would say. And there's just been a lot of mm. stuff published about it. So Adam's got a really great episode uh, on Full Stack Radio, uh, episode 109, The Road to Tailwind, CSS 1.0, um, where Adam talks about that. And it's really been interesting to listen to just all the work that goes into a project like this. Yeah. It's kind of insane how much time and mental energy gets spent thinking about some of the ways that you have to architect yeah. something like this to to keep it flexible for all the people that want to use it but also to make sure that it, it hits the largest sort of swath of the audience's needs so it's just it's a really difficult balance but they've done a really good job with it
0: yeah they've sweat over all of the details yes, to yes. make sure that Agonized. you know everything makes as much sense as possible and if you follow adam on twitter and i'm sure most of our listeners would. He has, has been tweeting, you know, the, the minutiae of the stuff that he's been tweeting about like renaming classes and should he use like for, for letting, for example, normal, loose and tight, um, you know, adding extra values in there and and changing the names and changing the colors and all this kind of stuff just to make it as consistent as possible. Cause he you know, you don't want to make with with something like this changing from the words that we've got now, for example, for colors, the, you know, you've got um, text red, light, lighter, lightest, et cetera. This is all changed to a, a scheme similar to what material design uses, where it's numbered 100 through 900. So if you do need to, um, you know, you've got nine different colors there in the, you know, the, the official palette. But if you wanted to slip in something that's somewhere in between the two, you can introduce like a 650 or something like that. So, which, yeah. Yeah, I mean a if you haven't sold sense, on, right? on the whole utility focus or utility first framework yet, uh, I just listened to the latest full stack radio episode 111 with uh, Jeffrey Way and, and Adam and Jeffrey speaking in great length about um the utility focus, you know, how it might differ from Bootstrap or Bam or all that all that kind of stuff that we've done in the past. And Jeffrey goes into a bit of detail about how he built the new Laracast site using Tailwind. So uh, give that a listen if you're if you're still not quite sold on the whole utility first thing. We've I mean we've been looking to use it for quite some time, and now that 1.0 is around the corner, we've we've put it into our main uh, production application and started using it in places. We had some conflicts with with Tailwind classes and with uh, the existing Bootstrap stuff. And we had to choose, you know, do we want to use the the prefix or do we want to just blot the whole thing and, and use the important flag? So we went the with the important flag, which has broken some of, um, <laughs> some of the default Bootstrap styles. So all of our headings look a bit janky at the moment because they've all been reset to base text sizes. So these are things that we'll go through over time and uh, and 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 specify. So really, the the. The scariest part for me is having to go and redesign all of the inputs uh, form inputs like select drop downs and options and radio buttons and all that yeah
1: stuff that
0: that you know I, I mean you only have to do it once, but you have to do it
1: exactly. Yeah, exactly. And so, kind of along with that, Jeffrey Way does have a new Laracast series called Modern CSS for Backend Developers, which kind of takes you through modern CSS techniques, including refactoring CSS to utility classes and to Tailwind. So, that's a good thing to check out as well. Adam has a YouTube channel where he builds things with Tailwind. He also talked about this in his 2019 Laracon online talk, which was called Tailwind by Example, where he takes a mock up that Steve Shoger designed and codes it all out live because that's what Adam does. Uh, so yeah, just a lot of really great resources around us right now and a very exciting time for Adam and uh, the team there. So well done and um, hopefully if you haven't got a chance to use that yet, you'll jump on the bandwagon and try it out. Yeah. All right, what else we got?
0: Do You don't have any PHP 5.6 lying around yeah. in any
1: of your code? I just, I just actually had to update a server Friday. Yeah, I had a old right. 5. Yeah, I was looking through my Forge servers. I was like, oh my gosh, that's on 5.6 still? So I blew that thing <laughs> away and, and spun up a new one. But no, I, I don't think yeah. I have any other 5.6 stuff around.
0: So for those of you that do, and whilst 5.6 is now out of, service it's, dead, it's dead. no longer receiving yeah it's it's like gone gone she's dead jim um <laughs> she's dead jim if you what is,
1: what is that what is she's dead jim never... i don't know what that is you don't you oh. pro- here's the deal you probably don't even know what that means it's just like a colloquialism it's from star you...
0: trek no no, no it's from, yeah it's from star trek oh okay
1: okay she's dead jim i've never heard that before so. he's he's dead jim but anyway he's dead jim uh, moving right. thanks mo- thanks moving for the right life.
0: <laughs> i just just cramped <laughs> i
1: just see michael disappear oh. from the screen like he's just kind of like bent up like where'd michael go yep he's dead jim he's Cramp. dead
0: anyway uh so laravel, uh, laravel php 5.6 is now done there are no more security updates there's no more feature updates there's nothing it's we've had three four five six years to you know get to php 7 so Unfortunately, moving away from it is not quite that simple. Some of us have got monstrous applications that only work in PHP 5.6. So for those of you that are still using 5.6, Homestead 56 is a development environment for PHP 5.6 and 7.0 by Homestead maintainer Joe Ferguson. So for those of you who haven't quite made it to 7.0 yet, you can grab yourself Homestead 56, which ships with both 5.6 and 7.0, as I mentioned and uh, chip away at getting getting there so the most major the most recent major release of homestead drops support for php 5.6 and 7.0 and while these php versions are end of life and will no longer be a receiving updates some developers as i said still need access to these tools And you can use old versions of Homestead, but at some point, those base boxes will just be out of date and things will start breaking. So the solution to this problem for Joe is to continue to maintain a 5.6 and 7 version as a project that he's calling Homestead 56. This project is based directly off of Laravel Homestead, but will not be 100% compatible. There are two offerings, and this is a paid solution. And they, look, I say paid, it's $10 per month if you would like access to the Homestead 56 packages, which give you the base box and all, all the stuff you need to build up the environment. And for $15 a month, you get access to the package as well as priority support for any help you need to get the project working. So as I said, previous versions are gone. With the release of PHP 7.3, the PHP team has dropped official support for those end-of-life versions, which include 5.6 and 7.0. And when that happened, Homestead also dropped support for those versions. So You know, that makes a whole lot of sense from from Joe's perspective, not having to maintain a a version of a single Homestead box that's got, you know, four different versions or five different versions of PHP running on it. Obviously, users are encouraged to update the new stable releases of PHP, but sometimes it's not quite that simple. So Homestead 56 helps you to bridge that gap and provide access to those tools. Uh, More details on that we will link up in the show notes.
1: Yeah, absolutely. It can be, you know especially for people who are stuck on these and are maybe, I can't really say non-technical developers because it's not a thing, right? But those who maybe have not had much experience with Docker and can't figure out Laradoc or whatever and have been using Homestead for a while, uh, and Joe has been maintaining this obviously for a while as well. So I, I I really like this. There's some trolls out there who are kind of like, why are you offering people this option? Like, why are you giving them this this you know this kind of life raft here? Just force because some of us live in the real world. <laughs> yeah, right. Exactly. That's exactly correct. So somebody was like. You're ruining the environment. Why are, you, why are you doing this? Everybody should should upgrade from 5.6. And Joe said, I can't wait to see how you react when you find out WordPress is still supporting 5.2. It's, <laughs> it's yeah, like you yeah. said. like It's like there are people who literally live in the world where there are just some things that they can't update or can't update yet, or it's a massive undertaking. And it's very well yeah. worth the $10 a month to be able to continue to work on those locally on their machine. So yeah, no, I think this is a great and idea.
0: like $10 an ten dollars a month for a business is nothing as absolutely. well so absolutely well, yeah.
1: for, for most businesses yep so good on you joe go for it guys that's great okay we've got this laravel personal data export so unfortunately some of these things have become a necessity right if you're going to be catering to any sort of like eu users i'm not saying that Exporting personal data is bad. I think more talking about some of the more recent things that are coming out of <laughs> yeah. that. Yeah,
0: with like GDPR and all yeah. that kind of stuff. It, yeah, yeah. it is a is a requirement um, and I'm not across, you know, all of that kind of stuff, but with privacy concerns rising on social media and, and other, you know, web applications, exporting user data might be something you might want to consider.
1: Absolutely, sure.
0: Um, and I and 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 from the the package readme you configure the file and the data export by defining a select personal data method with uh, the user model and you can basically just specify in there that you want to add this json file you want to add the files you know their avatars stored over here any other data that's stored in in s3 for example and the package will provide configuration for how many days the personal data will be available to the user along with other customizable things so It will generate you a zip file and it'll say, you know, this thing is available for five days. And after that, it's no longer available. So um, the package takes a lot of care. Sorry, the package takes care of all the boilerplate of all the tasks involved in initiating the data export for it uh, roughly in the following sequence. So first, it'll it'll generate the data when you dispatch a create personal data export job, uh, which is queued by default. When the job runs, the exported data is zipped, copied to configured file system. So you could put it into S3, or you can put it into Google Cloud, or wherever you've got it configured. And then the user gets a notification email whether you're able to download the file. So it's not it's not at all different to what you get from like Facebook if you wanted to download all your sure. Facebook data. Yeah, and and pretty much all all of the export process is customizable. So if that's something that uh, you are dreading building into your own application definitely check it out the link will be in the show notes yeah and And make sure you send a postcard to that's right uh, spazzy when when you do use the package
1: yep our good friends over there and then speaking of spots we also have another package of theirs called the Laravel flash package have you seen this i think you actually have because we talked about this in cash money co-work
0: i have i have seen it tell us what this flash package is i hope it's uh safe for work
1: Yeah, so I feel like Jeffrey Way had a package similar to this back in the day that maybe a lot of people Mm -hmm. were still using. Um, Still using, yep. Yeah, so this is a lightweight package to send flash messages in Laravel apps. A flash message is a, a message that is carried over to the very next request by storing it in a session, and it only exists for that one next request. So this only supports one single flash message at a time. The API being, uh, having said that, the API is is really simple, just like everything else that Spotsy builds. So it's just a global helper. You say flash. The first argument is the whatever the text is that you want to display to the user. And then the argument after that would probably be a class that you would apply to this particular flash message. You can then check for the message uh, in your blade templates by saying if flash message. And then you can just grab the flash message, the flash class, and you can display that however you would like. So if you were going to use something like Bootstrap or need some other way to identify a flash message, such as an error, success, info, things like that, you can define a map of those levels in your app service provider. So you can say success and then associate that with like alert success. You could say warning alert warning, error, alert error. Uh, So you can define those flash levels and all you have to say then is flash your message and then success or warning or error and it will uh, go ahead and grab those associated classes for you. So it's very, very lightweight, really allows you to bring your own structure to it. Uh, Some of these other packages may have a, oh my gosh, what the heck is that hat? I I didn't have you on my screen, and then all of a sudden, your your hat changed from a whip, a David Hemphill whip hat, to a red fedora super loop hat. I was just taken aback there. Sorry, sorry about that. I will I will continue, and then I'll let you explain. Oh my gosh! So anyway, no, it looks it looks good though. Uh, it looks good, and it's just you know, like I said, the basically the description speaks for it. It's a lightweight package to send flash messages in Laravel apps. Well-structured, easy to use, and Michael's going to show me his little Spider-Man now. Thanks, our friends at Spotsy. Looks great. Okay, explain this hat, please. And we need to put a picture of this in the show notes. A picture? Okay, a picture of you in this that. hat in the show notes, so people can understand my, my you know, reaction, maybe. Take a screenshot. It'll last longer. All right.
0: Uh, Yeah, Eli, Eli was in here earlier, and he was wearing it. Playing it, chewing, you know, baby see, stuff. No, he would look and, cute uh, in that
1: hat. That's the thing; he would look uh, really cute. In that
0: yeah, there hat. are there are photos like it's too big for him, so he ends up looking like kind of like this.
1: That's so, why he would look so cute wouldn't it. Uh,
0: but uh, yeah, I just I looked down and I saw it, and I thought I would just just pop that yeah, on and see not. how Jake reacts. Sure, so, sure.
1: There you go. You got uh, you got your so, reaction.
0: Yeah, but uh, yeah, this was the uh, the event. My my boss was like, "Let's order twenty thousand of these hats to give out," and he he didn't realize how many twenty thousand. It was basically like shipping container full of these hats to give out the event um, but they were they were like everywhere everyone was wearing them oh, that's cool though. it was it was it was like 40 degrees celsius so like one hundred and fifty thousand fahrenheit or whatever that is uh you i mean you 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 americans unless you were from phoenix you americans would melt in that kind of temperature uh, most of us were on the verge of melting what so, so what
1: was the actual temperature what did you say it was in celsius
0: 45 celsius one of the one of the days was but it was like 40 43 and 45 for three of the four days
1: let's see it is 113 holy cow yeah that is hot that is that now that's not typical temperatures for australia is it
0: that was yeah i mean we don't have many of them more more of them now than we have in years gone by obviously with uh the
1: change in the climate ice cups melting um, yeah all that fun stuff so cool okay let's talk about some more packages happy things so we've got this uh, Laravel Postal Code Validation. There you go. He got, he's got his whip hat back on. There we go. It looks good. Uh, so it's Postal Code Validation for multiple countries, which can always be a pain. But there is this new Laravel Postal Code Validation package by... I'm not going to try and pronounce this name. Maybe I am. It's, it's always a good laugh, right? Karami Kroonstuvier.
0: Yeah. Uh, I've got... Yep, that's, that's what I would have said.
1: Okay, there we go. So just like you have in any of your other validate stuff, you just say this validate, you pass in the request, and then as one of your rules, uh, you can now say postal code, and then you can provide the different countries that you want to say these uh, valid postal codes for these countries, right? So there is, uh, I mean, it looks very, very simple. And I think it just works. Just Mm. one of those things, right? They've also got a rule class similar to how you can kind of define your own rules. So instead of just passing a string of postal code and then colon and then a comma separated list of the countries, you can also say postal code code and then include that with a uh, static method for country and then include it in that way as well. So that'll work.
0: Yeah. The thing to note with this is that it does use a regex. It's not like so... you could put one, two, three, four in for an Australian postcode, for example, and it would validate that as as a valid sure, postcode yeah, yeah, yeah. for Australia. It's, but it, it's not a an actual postcode, so that's, that's one fair. thing to keep in mind. Depending on how you know how specific you need to be with your validation requirements.
1: Yeah, that's a good point. Yes. It's just not actually going. So, like, it's not going to check that a U.S. postal code is actually valid. It's just going to say the format looks correct, right? It looks like it's probably a valid card or not card, yeah. a valid code. And I was going to say basically yeah, that, card. right? So like you could you could say the same thing about like some of these credit card ones where it's like, it's well, this doesn't actually validate that it's like a active, ready to use credit card number sort of thing, right? Yeah. They would just kind of validate the formatting. That's what you can think of with this. Yeah, so that's cool though. That's handy. I, I have never had to do that before where I've had to check to see that a postal code is valid in, in multiple countries, but I can imagine that'd be a real pain in the neck. Thank you. Okay. What you got next? Vouchers? A vouchers, vouchers yeah. yeah.
0: Vouchers is a package by Marcel Passiot that allows users to redeem vouchers that are bound to models. The package can associate vouchers with your eloquent models, which may come in handy if you need to associate voucher codes with content that is stored in your eloquent models. I won't read the code because we all know how that goes, but you can provide uh, sorry, there, you can create vouchers using a, with a voucher facade. If you need to provide additional information for your voucher, you can pass an array of key value data. So you could add things like a message or say, you know, it's from Jake to whatever. And then you redeem a voucher using a pretty simple, pretty simple API as just redeem code. So um, if you would like to learn more about this package, be sure to check out the link in the show notes.
1: Yeah, is this, I mean, so voucher is the word that's right? being used here. But essentially, this is like a coupon code, yeah? Coupon. Yeah, yeah. yeah I mean, you, like a single uh, use coupon code. code. I suppose it doesn't America? have to be a single use yeah. coupon code. It could be multiple use coupon code because you can create multiple vouchers, right? So you can say, create yeah. five vouchers associated with the video course model, right? And then you can just say, you know, consume those, and then after they're all consumed, then they're gone. Yeah, man, yeah. that's nice because I can't imagine how many times people have had to implement that on their own, right?
0: Yeah, we've we've done it recently, um, and then we had a creative way of like we had to generate three thousand unique ones the other day, which was lots of fun. But they all had to map to the same thing. So these are these are the, the surprises of working in telecommunications.
1: Yeah, I love this though, because it seems like so. Marcel, every single time, and this is sort of the whole deal behind his uh, PHP packages course, right? It feels like every single time he has to write some sort of logic to handle these things, he's always writing a package for it. It's just like his mindset. It's like, yeah, you know what? I bet you there's a lot of other people who could use this and him, himself included in that. You know, I'll probably have to do yeah. this again in the future. Why don't I just make a package out of this? And so he does. So I love that. Yeah. Well, typically that. anything
0: that isn't like core or wouldn't be specific to an application that you're building is is often a good place to to build a package so that you can like spin that out and and use it in an, in your next project. If if you're working in you know doing agency kind of thing, or if you're building multiple applications for the business you work out, um, it's always useful and. Look, a lot of the time when you write this kind of thing, you're, you're battle testing it anyway. So, if you're in a position to open source it and, and share that code and save someone else down the road from uh, having to re implement the same thing, then yeah, I mean, that's how you become a prolific package author, I guess.
1: Yeah. And just help everybody else. It's just so crazy to me that we get this stuff for free. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, it's just wild to me yep. that, like, you basically have access to the best, to the minds of the best developers in the community for free and they'll just give you their code for free it's unbelievable so thanks Marcel this looks really awesome really really awesome uh, of course the API is incredibly simple it just looks really good super stoked to yeah. find a spot to use I actually have a spot where I can use that now yep great I'm gonna I'm gonna go put it in the issue so I don't forget ship it okay We've got Vue Vue DevTools 5.0 that has been released uh, for Google Chrome and Firefox. There's a full list of what was changed in the 5.0 release notes on GitHub. Here are a couple. There's a routing tab, performance tab, settings tab, editable Vuex state, display density settings, native script support. You can view refs now in your Vue Developers panel. Uh, You can add attributes or ATTRs to state inspector. There's a regex filter in the events tab. You can make props editable. uh, Setting for view dev tools detected view console log. There's a whole bunch of those. Those are just the added things. There's also improved things like Vuex and event tabs uh, are faster and lighter on memory. You can make collapse and expand affect all child elements. You can display functional components in the component tree. Uh, has some built-in stuff with Electron apps. There's performance improvements uh, all across the board. There's a lot of really good stuff going on with this. And if you already have the extension installed, it should have already automatically updated. So you get all of these things without having to do anything special. So if you haven't checked out your Vue dev tools in Chrome or Firefox for a while, you might want to pop that open and give it a look. And you might be surprised to find some of the amazing new features on there. Thanks to the Vue.js Dev team,
0: absolutely. the The last thing that we've got here is Mail Eclipse, which is a Laravel mail editor package uh, for your Laravel applications to create and manage mailables using a web interface. You can use the package to develop mailables without using the command line and edit templates associated with, mail- with mailables using a WYSIWYG editor amongst other features. So yeah, you can you can edit your markdown mailable templates in this web interface. When you create a mailable template, you can pick from existing themes provided by the package uh, but the best way to get an idea of what this package does is to install it and try it out or check out the five minute demo from the author, which we will link up in the show notes.
1: It is under active development. It's a work in progress right now. So if you're interested, try it out, provide some feedback. And if there are some changes, just know that that's sort of expected because it is in a rather fluid state at this point. I did watch the video the other day, though. It looks interesting and it feels like um, this would be one of those things that would allow you to hand off this portion of the application to another mm. support member uh, that would then yeah. be able to kind of handle some of this mail stuff for you i don't know if this ever happens to you where they're like hey could you include this in the email that goes out to our new users when they sign up and it's like oh my yeah. gosh like it's the last yeah thing. You i know just what I mean? got
0: one of those requests the other day on our invoices they just wanted to add like if you're paying by credit card we will debit it automatically on the due date like yeah, and I've got to go in there and I've exactly. got exactly yeah yeah yeah
1: yeah. And so some of this makes it nice to just say like, hey, you know what? Like marketing team or or client communication team, whoever you are, you know, you now have access to be able to edit our messages. There you go, ta da, yeah. no problem. Yeah,
0: and then th- that way you don't have to go through the whole request exactly, wait, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. develop deploy cycle. They can just like update those things. Which is interesting because those mailables are typically in your version control. So I wonder how that handles Ooh, interesting. That's a good point. Because you are now, because you're then editing versioned files on your production environment via the web interface.
1: Yes, that is true. That is true.
0: Um, So, I mean, I guess the way around that would be to get them to edit these things in the development environment. Well, I mean, I might store the markdown in the database and just like pull that out and put it into a mailable, which would be fine, I guess.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I'm not sure exactly how it works, right? So you should get in there, try it and give some feedback, Michael. I think that's a great idea. Yeah. (laughs) Okay. Hey, is that all we've got today? I think that's all we've got. That was a lot. That's all of the things. We had a lot of things. That was really, that was fun. Oh man. It is crazy how many things are being released every week. It's nearly impossible yeah. to keep up if it wasn't for something like Laravel News or the Laravel News podcast. Yeah. How would you keep up? Yeah. How would you do it? How would you? How could you? We do all Not the heavy possible. lifting for you. I mean
0: we we can barely we can barely keep up with it all.
1: Yeah. I mean, my Twitter stuff is getting too long to read through these days. I mean like I can never like I never get through everything. I just kinda of get bits and pieces, yeah. you know?
0: Yeah, if I don't if I don't read it first thing in the morning, by the end of the day I've got like seven or eight hundred unreads and it's you you gotta stay on top of it or or start ruthlessly unfollowing which i probably I'm sorry need to if do you that. follow me and i don't follow you back but i just don't have enough time to read i think i probably twitter. need to do that
1: and do you use you use a twitter client don't you i use tweetbot yeah and does that so like for me like i just read twitter on my phone on occasion right but tweetbot will tell you like how many unreads you have like it doesn't do this like you featured like you might have missed this. It doesn't do anything. It just no, shows no, you no, like no. straight up. No, It gives
0: up. you it, yeah. It gives you a sequential timeline. It tells you how many you haven't read. It maintains like. But if you if you're reading on your phone and you pick up your iPad or your or your Mac, it'll pick up like it syncs the timeline up so you can change devices and and keep keep at you know with where you're at before. Um, and yeah, it's all sequential, so it shows um, oldest to newest interesting and and the day it stops doing that is probably the day that i just stop using twitter you know actively
1: well it's there it's there yeah i'm just kidding. i mean it is some of it is though some of the like here's what you missed sort of deal so like, I can understand they're trying to help yeah. but um yeah they're i don't not helping. know it, it it all be... i want
0: is oldest to newest from the people that i follow and nothing else yeah don't yeah. don't be don't be like facebook that is a dumpster fire
1: yeah dumpster fire. yeah i need to uh i need to start pruning back my list of people i follow though because it is it's just too much can't do it can't do it all right that wraps up episode 80 thanks everyone so much for listening uh if you'd like show us for this episode you can find them at laravel-news.com slash podcast slash 80 five stars would be appreciated on itunes or your podcatcher of choice reach out to us on twitter jacob bennett michael Duranda, or laravel news we'd love to hear from you until next time everyone we will see you in two weeks Goodbye. goodbye